Okay. Once again, with so many of our folks on vacation, man, I'm going to break my neck looking around over here at everybody. I didn't mean for you to have to move, but I feel like I'm surrounded. <laughs> um, I don't have notes for you I, uh, this morning. I, you'll have to take some notes, and I want to get you interacting a bit. But I, I, I do have some of my my own notes. Frankly, in the in the uh, preparation for Africa, I have been just night and day finishing up uh, what I need to prepare for 50 hours of lecture. And uh, many hours of counseling, which you don't prepare for. But so I just didn't have time to do you some notes. But I do have some things that I want to share with you this morning about uh, parenting. And we'll take a few minutes too and and interact some. Again, let's let's back up for a moment and get the big picture. You will recall that biblically, the issue with our children is that they have a defect in their heart. They are sinful. They are born that way. Um, it, it may sound uh, cruel to say this, but uh, apart from regenerating grace, nothing that our children, frankly, nothing that anybody does apart from regenerating grace um, is um, um, pleasing to the Lord ultimately. Uh, nothing that you can do for the unsaved, nothing that they can do, nothing that they are will bring glory to God. And fundamentally, therefore, lives apart from regenerating grace are offensive to God. Now, that sounds like a very hard statement, but that is supported throughout the word of God. So, therefore, while um, children, as God says, are, are, are a gift from him. Um, indeed, that gift is something that is a responsibility that we have to help those children come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And so the greatest need for children is regeneration. That is their greatest need. And in order to help them see that, they have to begin to understand very basic concepts of benevolent authority. They have to understand that, yes, you are loved, but no, you cannot have your own way. <laughs> if I can put it that way. Um, yes, you are loved, but no, you cannot have your own way. And as we've studied in Proverbs 22:15, the, the what is it that's bound up in the heart of a child? It is foolishness. And we've gone over. The, uh, the Hebrew concept of that is basically rebellion against God. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of, under, uh, rod of discipline will drive it far from them. And so you've got this problem in children of foolishness that basically says, I refuse to submit to God and his glory. In fact, biblically, a child, even as they grow into adulthood, they, they don't understand God. They don't understand his law. The things of God are foolishness to them, right? And uh, so what we have here is a problem. We have to take these foolish, sinful little creatures that God has given us 
and realize that we have an enormous responsibility to help them begin to see that there is a God and that we are responsible to him. And we become instruments of righteousness in their life so they can see, you know what, mom and dad are the benevolent authority in my life and I must respect them, I must honor them. And we've talked about, um, uh, you know, many things that, uh, that we need to do as parents to bring them up, as Ephesians 6.4 says, in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And you will recall last week we went into great detail as to, as to what, that, what that means. Uh, but as parents, you're going to have several challenges before you. And I, I've, got, uh, I, I've got a few things that I would like to, to share with you about that. Certain challenges that you're going to face as you try to bring up your children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And um, I'm going to describe them in the form of some general guidelines that you might want to keep in mind. So you might want to jot these down. First of all, you, you want to the, the first heading that I might give you is keeping the right motivation. Uh, you know, there is a there is a real tendency as parents to become only outcome oriented in our parenting. And if the end is OK, then do the means really matter? You know, and that sometimes that's how people think. Uh, but keep in mind that the, the means is just as important and frankly, in many ways, more important than the end results. Um, God is not so much concerned with whether the methodology is working. What he is concerned about is your attitude as a parent. And, and uh, the spiritual issues that you are dealing with as a parent with your child. So um, you, you want to distinguish between right and wrong motivations. Let, let me let me give you some of those examples. The difference between right and wrong motivations in parenting. One could be pleasing God versus pleasing self. Pleasing God versus pleasing self. You know, your, your motive as a parent is ultimately to bring glory to God. This is a, a higher motivation than even your own personal happiness. Um, this means that, that you cannot see children as a gift from God only for your own pleasure. They ultimately belong to him. And so when a child disobeys, the problem is not so much that my happiness has been interrupted, but that ultimately what my child is doing, if I put it this way, is a failure to bring glory to God. And I want to, to keep that in mind. So everything I do as a parent needs to be understood in the context of as I'm training my child, as I'm disciplining my child, ultimately what I'm trying to do is, is please God, is to glorify God through my child and through my own commitment to raising my child. In other words, I'm not trying to get my child to behave a certain way so I look good and so I feel better and so that my happiness stays intact. Now, granted, that's a that's a secondary desire. I mean, I mean, certainly we want that. I mean, no, we, we've read all those passages that, you know, a child left, left unto himself will bring his mother to shame and all those types of things. And certainly we don't want that to happen. But occasionally as parents, you can view uh, the training of your, your children as an inconvenience. And uh, sometimes you may have thoughts like this when your child uh, disobeys. I don't deserve this. I have a right to a problem free child. 
Or I expect my child never to pick up on his little brother. Lie, uh, I expect my child never to pick up on his little brother, his lies, leaving dirty dishes, uh, get low grades, etc. Or how long am I going to be troubled with problems with my children? And on it, on it can go. Um, so keep in mind that just because your, your child disobeys and it does bring you frustration, your reason, therefore, for disciplining the child is just not to get that child to behave in such a way so that you can feel better. I mean, ultimately, what you're trying to do is glorify God. Um, you must make choices uh, in each situation based upon what pleases the Lord. For example, let's say your child disobeys and you know from Scripture that you may need to, to spank him. But uh, you've done that before and you're not sure that that works. Of course, usually the reason that doesn't work is either you've done it out of anger and the child recognized that or in most cases, parents don't spank Hard enough. I know that sounds cruel. Remember my wasp illustration. A child will learn to respect a wasp with just one bite because it hurts so bad. I never want to get near that. I never want to disrespect that wasp again. But sometimes um, in a situation like this, you, you might go through your mind. You think, well, OK, um, I, I know what the scripture says. But I, I want to do something that really works and that spanking doesn't seem to be working. Or I want to do something that makes me feel comfortable. Or I want to do what other people think that I ought to do or what society tells me to do. Um, or I want to just come up with, with, with whatever is easiest for me to do, etc. In other words, yes, I know what God says about this, but... And then you start going through all this other stuff. Because you've tried it God's way and it hasn't worked. Well, folks, what you've got to understand is that ultimately it is working if you are truly doing it God's way. And what is working is not so much determined in the outcome of the child, but what's going on in the heart of the parent. You see the difference? That's what God's looking at here. You say, but God, look at my, my kid. You know, I understand that. It's going to take time. You let me help you with that. What I've expected you to do, parent, is to be obedient to me, for you to follow my commands and to do what I've asked you to do. Now, the outcome of the child is going to be ultimately, uh, you know, between me and your child. But what I'm asking you to do is to be obedient to me. And so the the, the right motivation here that I'm talking about here, the concept is is making sure that that you're, you're pleasing God, not pleasing yourself. And your obedience to Scripture with the right motive makes you a faithful instrument in God's hands. So the child's response, and here's what I want you to catch. The child's response is not necessarily the measure of biblical parenting. All right? But the parent who does what is right in the sight of the Lord will be blessed. Look at James 1.25. Let's just add a Scripture verse to this concept, and then we'll... Look at some others. In James chapter 1 and verse 25, it says, But the one who looks intently at the perfect law. Are you with me here? James 1.25. The one who looks uh, intently. By the way, uh, the, the word intently is an interesting term in the original language. It means to stoop over and to look very closely at something. Okay? You, you get the imagery there? I mean, it's not like, hey, look at that. 
It's like, whoa, what is that? That's the idea. So he says, the one who looks intently at the perfect law, which is the scripture, the law of liberty. And abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. All right. Now apply that to parenting. All right. Here, here's a, a, a parent now. He's got issues with his child. He sees, yeah, my little stinker. Sure enough, just like God has said, foolishness is bound up in his heart. I can tell it. I mean, he's demanding or she's, you know, manipulative. She's selfish. I mean, we, we laugh at times at our kids depravity, because at times it is funny, even though, you know, you're trying to deal with it. But like, for example, to watch to watch Caitlin and Olivia try to share. Oh, boy, it's just it's just. You know, it's, at times it's just hilarious to watch it. I mean, you don't have to teach kids to be selfish, do you? I mean, they come by it naturally. So, um, but anyway, the, the concept here is not so much, um, okay, he, the, the measure of a godly parent is a child that's not selfish and does everything right. That's not the issue. What God is going to bless is a parent who is studying the child in the context of Scripture, taking the child's issues of life to the Scripture and applying Scripture to that child's life as they are looking at that intently and doing all that they can to understand and to, you know, to pray and to apply. Notice that it says um, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. Right. There's a big difference. A lot of people hear truth and they never do anything about it. All right. That's the parent or the person in any situation that's going to be blessed. So that that's the concept. Another important motivation to distinguish uh, with is uh, pleasing God versus pleasing others. Folks, you want to be very careful not to parent your children on a motivation of comparison to other parents or 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 other you know, their, their children uh, problems always arise when families compare themselves to to other families to determine the right behavior. I want my kids to be like this or uh, or and by the way, the other side of that is believing that somehow the way you're doing it is right. And the way your kids are turning out is right. And you think that you now are the divine standard for how other parents ought to do it, and how other children ought to behave. You know, you got to be real careful with that. And so, again, keep in mind now, I've given you two motivations here. You're, you're trying to, you want to be careful. Are you pleasing God or trying to please self? Or number two, are you pleasing God or are you trying to please others? Getting others to say, oh, yeah, well, your kids are doing fine because they're doing like my kids do or whatever. Um, a third motivation is to distinguish between trust versus fear. Um, let me explain. Parents need to to avoid being motivated by by the wrong kind of fear, uh, the kind of fear that would basically say, um, you know, I'm just scared to death. My kids are not going to turn out the way that I think they need to turn out. But but rather than that, we must understand what it means to trust God in every area of our life and to really fear him. And sometimes parents are so consumed with, well, I want to make sure that my kid turns out a certain way so that he or she goes to college so that he or she is successful so that he or she can take care of me in my old age and on and on and on. Rather than 
trusting God for all of those things and letting him be be God in your life. Uh, You know, God only requires uh, us to be faithful, right? As a steward, we are to be found successful. Is that what the Bible says? No, as a steward, we are to be found faithful. First Corinthians four, two. So just keep in mind that we must not fear, but we've got to learn to, to trust God. So what, what does that mean practically? All right. We say, God, I love my child. I see their needs. I see their sin, their foolishness, etc. But God, I'm going to trust you to do what you will do in my child's life. I'm going to trust you to help me to understand scripture, to be able to apply it to their lives. I'm going to trust you for that outcome. And, you know, my I I noticed uh, I noticed just something hit me the other day. Um, The last several weeks have been extremely heavy with counseling. And I noticed I've got this one little little waste can in my office and I went to empty it and it was half full from just one session with some parents this week. With Kleenexes. And you know what hit me is, and, and in the context of this, or of that particular situation and several others, what hit me is how difficult it is to truly trust God with your children. When your children break your heart, when you've done all you know to do to raise them in this discipline and the instruction of the Lord, and it's not turning out right. Now, in in agony of soul, you cry out, oh, God, please. Well, that's trusting God at that point, because sometimes what we do is we say, "Okay," and and, and I'm going to exaggerate this. Fine, God, if you're not going to do it, I'll take over. By golly, kid, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And then before you know it, you, you, you become God in the child's life. And you, 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 you begin to what? Throw your weight around. You understand the concept there? Now, that's not to say you don't want to have parameters, obviously. But but fundamentally, at a very core level, you've got to remember that as a parent, you have simply got to rely upon the Spirit of God and His work in the life of your child. All right. In addition to keeping the right motivations, parents are also going to be challenged with something else. And this is keeping the right focus. Let me give you a few thoughts here. Um, First of all, biblical parenting is not complicated. All right. And and I want to I want you to be careful with this because, you know, I'm giving you all these notes and we're talking about all this stuff. But you know what? At a bottom line level, it's not rocket science here. And so often it's pretty common sense. Um, And and God has laid it out very clearly to us. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, uh, Jesus gives uh, two great commands to love God and to love your neighbor. But it's interesting that you can contrast that with Matthew 23, 4, where he talks to the Pharisees who were tying up heavy loads and leaving them on men's shoulders. Now, here's the point. God, what do you want me to do in my life? I just need to know your will. And he says, Love me with all your heart. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Is that it? Well, that, that's the summary of the law. Isn't that interesting? By the way, that what you have is you have the um, 
you have the uh, uh, you have the Ten Commandments. And basically those two commandments are a summary of the ten. And then the rest of Leviticus and, and, and Deuteronomy basically expand all of that. But at a very fundamental level, that's what God wants us to do now. It's not all that complicated, but it is very difficult to live out because of our sinfulness. But but the point is simply this. Many times as parents, we can begin to contrive these complex systems of how we're going to, you know, control our kids. And we've got all these. Maybe you don't do this, but I've seen this before. All of these rigid things. And you can become like the Pharisees that are tying up heavy loads and leaving them on men's shoulders. That's what the Jews had to deal with. You know, those poor people, they're walking around. I mean, they got just thousands of these stupid laws. And I've got to do these things or else I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make the cut, you know. I'm not going to. I'll never be able to enter the kingdom. And God said, no, 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 no. That's, that's why Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You know, and I'm going to give you rest. My yoke is easy and so on. Well, the, the point here is many times parents can gain a false sense of confidence by substituting uh, some type of uh, system that, that, that they've read or whatever, rather than just just faithfully living out God's word and trying to apply it to the child's life. So don't get caught up in complicated systems. However, there is a difference between being simple and simplistic. Uh, the simple character of biblical parenting is summed up in Ephesians 6, 4, as we've studied. Uh, but it does not mean that, that there's not a challenge to it. That challenge is not involved and that we've got to depend upon him. A second uh, focus here to keep in mind under the context of keeping the right focus. <laughs> biblical parenting always or I should say, allows a variety of ways to apply biblical truth. There are a variety of ways to apply the truth. In other words, folks, there's not just one way. Okay? And I try to be sensitive to that. You know, I will give you examples of the way I've parented. Sometimes it's been right. Sometimes, I mean, you know, you you do the best you can, right? But it's not to say that my way is the only way or Brian's way is the only way or Keith's way is the only way or whatever. I mean, there you, you can be creative with this and you have to learn your child. And having raised three children, uh, folks, there, you never have two children raised in the same home. You catch that? You never have two children raised in the same home. Uh, no, they've been raised in the same home, but they're all influenced different. They're all different. They're all unique. Now, there's going to be similarities. You're going to see lots of similarities, but there's going to be a lot of differences. And you're going to have to be creative in how you discipline them, how you train them, uh, how, how they learn. And, uh, and, and so, so that, that's a challenge. So, uh, but, but again, it's, it, I don't want you to think that it's, you know, just... Just one way. And you've got to find this one way. I despise formula Christianity. You know, somebody writes a book and they've got five steps. Oh, okay. And so now people are walking around. Here's the five steps. And as soon as they hear somebody that doesn't leaves out number three or inserts, you know, four A and B, you know, they freak out. And I want you to hear that even with this, with all the things that I'm giving you. 
So when dealing with matters uh, not specifically addressed in Scripture, you've got to uh, let your opinions be governed by love. Galatians 5.13, for example. And, and you've got to show, show deference um, to, to other people. But if I can put it to you this way, your, your personal preferences about parenting or about any issue, um, it's not like they're inherently wrong, but you want to be careful that you don't put them on the same plane as biblical directives. Like, for example, uh, choices in, in parenting with respect to uh, etiquette or education or the type of music you're going to listen to or how the kids are going to dress or what. I mean, there's a lot of preferences that get involved in that. I remember my dear mother spent a lot of time when I was a little boy showing me proper etiquette, how to sit at the table, how to use the, the you know, why we had two forks and, you know, all this stuff. I can't even remember all of it now. I remember that, that you, with soup, you, you would have to use a certain spoon. This, the soup spoon, you know how it's round? And when you eat soup, um, you go into the soup bowl this way and get your thing. And then you catch the drip of the, of the soup on your spoon on the back side of the bowl. And then you eat out of the side of the spoon. And I remember practicing that. Now, keep in mind, we had a lot of very sophisticated people come. I was raised in a wealthy home and we had a lot of sophisticated people that would be in our home. And that's how they ate. Now, Jana and Joey, have I ever taught you how to do that? No. Does that mean it wasn't important? Well, it was in that culture for my folks, but it's not so much in in ours. But but sometimes you know, here's my point with that. You can you can get silly with things thinking that, oh, well, no, 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 no. This is how you oh, you just got to eat this way. Did you have your hand up, honey? No. Huh? Yeah, just don't slurp. And Joey, put the bowl down, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, the point is um, with this, sometimes our preferences, we can get carried away with our preferences and make them as if, you know, that is biblical. I mean, we've had this over the years. I, 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 OK, some people are adamantly opposed to pumpkins at Halloween. All right. And some parents just wouldn't have it. And other parents, it's not a big deal. Um, letting the kids go trick or treating. You know, big issue. Some people, my goodness, I mean, you know, it's just the worst thing in the world. And for other people, it's like, you know, what's the deal here? You know, Santa Claus or, or whatever it is. I mean, I mean, I think you get the point. You, you just want to be sensitive to those things. And just because, you know, Steve and Kathy don't like pumpkins uh, doesn't mean that, you know, or whatever. And, and I try to be careful as a pastor because lots of times they look at me. Well, what would the pastor do? Well, you don't always want to look at that, you know, but but when it comes to preferences, there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of flexibility even in, in parenting with what your what your kids can wear and do. But but there are some general guidelines, like, for example, when it comes to what our kids wear, what would be the basic guidelines? Pardon? Yeah, it needs to be modest. We, we know that. You know, things like that. You, you get the idea. A third focus to keep in mind is biblical parenting does not involve quick fixes. Um, 
you want to think of it this way. Parenting is really a multifaceted relationship that lasts a lifetime. All right. At some level, I'm still parenting my kids. And they will be parenting their kids, you know, as 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 they grow older. And by the way, you can be a good parent or a bad parent. You know, some of you may, you know, be influenced by your parents and maybe it's bad. And I'm sure at times mine, I do the same thing. But but you want to keep in mind that there's not a quick fix, some formula. All right. You do these few things and now your kid's going to turn out a certain way. Um, and if you just want instant relief from some irritating problem or habit that your child has, which a lot of people do, um, you're going to be in trouble. I mean, think about this, folks. You take a you take a child. We put Olivia on and and Caitlin on a tricycle for the first time. Well, Olivia's a little bit younger, and so she she knew where to put her feet on the pedals. But she didn't know how to how to push it. And she may not really have the strength yet to, to do much of that. And so, you know, you, you, you it, it's the point is, it's going to take time. We put Caitlin on there. Well, she could push it a little bit, but, you know, it was always going this way. So she's going around in a circle. And 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 as you think about a child with with just the basic things of life, you know, learning to count, learning uh, their letters, learning how to read all that. It takes a long time. Well, folks, how much more dealing with foolishness? I mean, just think of the hundreds, maybe thousands of times your child is going to do the same foolish thing and you're going to have to discipline them and it's going to require patience. Right. By the way. Think of your own life before the Lord. Think of some besetting sins that you have and how many times the Lord in his mercy has been patient with you. And brought gentle reminders and, and maybe disciplined you in, in, in loving ways and always through the power of his spirit, summoning you back to, you know, to righteousness. And so don't look for quick fixes. That's another focus to keep in mind. Um, another concept I wanted to give you. Oh, by the way, I, I wrote down a verse here, Galatians 6, 9, that we need not lose heart in well-doing. Don't grow weary in well-doing, I think the King James says. Uh, Biblical parenting understands also the the limitations of parental influence. You know, parents cannot control the results of their parenting effort. Ultimately, God is going to do that. And keep in mind Philippians 1.6 that... Uh, God completes everything that he begins. Uh, Galatians 5, uh, verse 22 and following. It's the Holy Spirit that brings forth fruit and so on. And I I think what I want you to. uh, Well, uh, let me give you another uh, concept in in Hebrews 4.12. Remember, uh, there we learn that that is God's word that is quick and that is powerful. So we 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 use that. We apply that to the child's life. Um, you, you are the ones, here's where I'm going with this. You, dear parents, cannot change your child's heart. Okay. You just can't do that. Uh, only the Holy Spirit can do that through the power of his word, uh, according to uh, the, the perfect will of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by, by the word of God. 
And so you need to live the word and you need to teach the word. And ultimately, if I can leave you with this thought, your child is accountable to God. There's only so much you can do. I, I've been around long enough to see children raised, not just mine, but others. And I've seen children that know the truth and deliberately violate the truth. Now, whose fault is that? The parents or the child's? Well, ultimately, it's the child's. You know, the child is not going to stand before God someday and said, you know, God, I, I you know, I, I blew it because I, I just didn't understand. My parent never told me. I mean, ultimately, that child is going to be responsible. Um, and so. The concept that I want to I want you to remember is the one if I can take you to as I think about it, go to Deuteronomy six again. And I want to get you to talk with me a bit about this. Um, I'll find Deuteronomy here. Um, in, uh, well, in verse five, Deuteronomy six, verse five. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Okay, parents, now this is where we want to begin. Like, for example, you look at your child. Oh, we got problems with, with, with little Johnny. He's this and he's that and he's four other things. Where do I start? Number one, parent, you, forget Johnny for a second. You love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your, in other words, with every fiber of your being, you love the Lord. Now, specifically, folks, what that's going to mean is, is that you worship him, you honor him, you obey him. Yeah, but little Johnny is this little Johnny. That, where are you failing to do this command? This is where you got to start. So, in other words, you begin with you. You don't begin with Johnny. You love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and all that that all that is implied there. In other words, you look at your life. You ask the spirit of God to search your heart to see if there's any sin. Uh, you, you look at areas where you're violating scripture. I mean, don't don't come running to God to ask, ask him to help you with Johnny when you've got your own issues here that you're not looking at, that you're not dealing with. You, you see the point? So that's where we've got to be in. And then he says, um, and these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. In other words, this becomes the passion of your life. Now, now, now keep this in mind. Little Johnny and little Mary need to see that the passion of your life is that you love the Lord God with all your heart. I mean, that they, they see everything in your life. And I, I'm, I can I can say this about my parents. Sure, they made mistakes. But but fundamentally, I knew that my parents loved the Lord. Now, I didn't understand what all that meant when I was a little kid. But I was fascinated with it and I grew up seeing that and God used that. So anyway, that, that's where you begin. And then it says, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons. In other words, it's, it's not enough that you just that you just are this way, but you also teach them. And this is the idea of systematically teaching 
um, uh, the, the, the truths of Scripture to your children. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, here's the concept here. Not only does there need to be the systematic teaching, which, by the way, can include Sunday school. It can include, you know, we're going to start up gyms and cadets. We're going to do lots of other things. But it can be devotions in your home, just a variety of things. You look for teachable moments. You know, we've talked about, you know, teaching God through the grasshoppers and all that type of stuff. And you just, you just want to do that. I mean, and you can do that. Um but but not only that, he's, it, it's become such a lifestyle with you that, as he says here, uh, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. In other words, in the in the everyday ebb and flow of life, you just live in the presence of God. And that that's just kind of part of your conversation. You know, oh honey, we, we don't want to do that. That would dishonor God. Oh, honey, look what God has made over here. Can you believe that he made that? Look at this. You see, it's that type of thing. And, and again, go, go back to the concept I was giving you earlier that, I mean, this is not that complicated. It's not like, you know, they've got to make sure that your child memorizes Proverbs uh, word by word, word for word before the age of six. I mean, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. Um. By the way, that's what the Jewish kids do. I mean, they, they, they memorize all the Proverbs. <laughs> and you see what good it does. I mean, apart from knowing Christ, I mean, it's just, you just produce a bunch of hypocrites. But anyway, so then he goes on and he says, And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so the, the, the idea there is, is that, Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and all that is within that glorious concept needs to absolutely saturate every aspect of your life. By the way, the, the Jews, they, they, they took it to extreme. You, you've seen, you know, put frontals on your forehead. You, you've seen the little, the little phylacteries that they put on their forehead and and if you go to, they, they got the, it's called a mezuzah, and uh, it's, uh, they, you can buy them. There's all different kinds of them. They even have them on the sides of the doors in the hotels in, uh, in Israel, um, but where it says here, uh, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And what they have is they have the law written, uh, written in a little thing inside these little boxes called mezuzahs, and, mezuzahs, and they... Um, they have them on the doorposts and and whenever you walk through the door, you kiss it like that. And they I mean, it's just there all the time. In fact, I, maybe I told you the story. I remember one time we were in. Uh, in uh, oh, I forget now, it's right on the Sea of Galilee. The name of the town escaped me. And oh, man, it looked like Sodom and Gomorrah. Gee, I mean, you've got all kinds of wild music going on and, and it's, it's just wicked looking. Um, but some of the Jewish, because you got a lot of pagans there as well, but, but some of the more orthodox Jews, they had some of their, uh, their, their restaurants there and uh, we were in one of these little outdoor places getting, a, getting something to, to, to drink. And, and I remember this little waitress, every time she... She would she would run back in. Uh, 
she would kiss the mezuzah, you know, and she was just going back and back and forth. I thought, man, that poor girl's arm's going to get tired, you know, but that's what they do. And you can take, uh, you know, the letter of the law and forget the spirit of the law. It's funny going back to Israel. They they have uh, Jewish elevators versus elevators for everybody else, because on Shabbat, which is Sabbath, it's uh, it's against the law to light a fire. And if you were to hit the button on the elevator, it would cause a spark and that would light a fire. So you would violate the law. So therefore, the Jewish Shabbat elevators open up and they stop at every floor. <laughs> so you never have to hit the button. See, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did not know that. That is really interesting. Wow. Yeah. Do you understand why the Lord reserved his most stinging rebukes for hypocrisy? I mean, you you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. It's amazing. Well, anyway, the concept here with parenting is you can get real legalistic and do a lot of a lot of crazy things. But 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 what you want to do is love the Lord so much with all of your heart that every aspect of your being is controlled by the spirit of God and your children see that. And and you know what? It's not like you're always concentrating Oh, what type of a. God-centered concept, can I come up with this? I mean, it just flows. I mean, you, you know, when you're walking with the Lord, it, you, don't, you don't think that way. You know, it's not like, oh, I've got to come up with a Bible verse here. No, you don't. I mean, you just, you're walking with the Lord, and that's just kind of naturally, I mean, you just naturally don't look at some things, or you don't laugh at some things, or you turn television on something, or, or whatever, you know. All right. Any, any, uh, we're, we need to wrap up here. I want to save a little more time here. Anybody have any, uh, any comments or questions or illustrations? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay.
Well, that's good. Now, now, there is a caution here. I mean, you're, you're right on target. I mean, we talked about, you know, the 25 ways parents can provoke their child to anger. And one of the ways is the biblical word is snorting. You know, you're doing that. And you see people do that. I mean, that, I mean, can you imagine the Lord ever doing that? Get behind me, Satan. You know, to Peter. I mean, you know, he wouldn't talk that way. But but the other side of that, you know, little Johnny doesn't, you know, go in and, and stab little Mary with a pencil. and say, now, sweetheart. Now, you need to understand that God doesn't want you to stab Mary with a pencil. No. I mean, there, there's a balance here. They need to understand that that is wrong and you're not to do that. Do you understand that? And, and whatever that takes. So there's a balance in there. You know, I can remember we, we had to watch it. And Caitlin's going to be the same way with Jenna. All I'd have to do is. And I mean, she would. She'd melt. If I did anything more than that, it was I'd have to be picking her up off the floor, you know. But um, they need to know that what they did was a violation of benevolent authority. But, yeah, the point is you don't want to do maybe what you were raised with. And, and see, a lot of times parents are disciplining their child not to, so that the child can grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and come to you know, glorify God. They're just ticked at the child because you've interrupted my happiness and I don't like it. Straighten up. I said, get back in that chair. I mean, you watch go down to Walmart or something and you watch this stuff. And by the way, that's why, you know, those parents. I mean, can you imagine getting whipped by a parent like that? That's why so many. Yeah, some of you were. That's why so many people are against spanking. You know, that's totally different than saying, you know, Johnny, come here. I want you to sit down here. What you just did is something I told you not to do. Is that right? Do you remember? And by the way, remember, biblically, whenever there has been a violation, we are to confess the sin, you know, and acknowledge that it was wrong and ask for forgiveness. Johnny, do you acknowledge? Do you know what you did? What did you do? I stabbed Mary with a pencil. And didn't Daddy tell you not to stab Mary with a pencil anymore? Yes. All right. You know. You realize that, you know, and you go on from there and then you discipline him accordingly. So that's the balance there rather than the jerking around and the sneering and the snorting and the, you know, all that silly stuff. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm going to talk to Pampered Chef because I'm sure that I need to get some type of a commission on all the little spatulas that you all have gone out to buy. Those things work great, boy. You can keep them in your pants or whatever, and they, you give them a good little swat with that. And shoot, Social service is going to come in here one of these days and haul me away, I know. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny, though? I mean, any parent that's got any common sense knows that you're going to have to, at times, spank, spank the child. I laugh. Where is it? Singapore, where they do the, the caning? They, they just practically don't have any crime over there. Duh, you know, you wonder why, you know, the consequences are severe. And so, again, all discipline is, is a sample, a small sample of the ultimate consequences that are going to occur if you continue to violate, you know, God's, uh, God's law. All right, anything else? Let me wrap up here today. Anybody have anything else? Jack makes you want to be a parent again, doesn't it? Oh, do you? I didn't know that from Israel. Uh huh. Yeah, to that extent, it's great. Yeah. And see, that's wonderful. Well, as, as, as long as people aren't earning their righteousness by, you know, venerating it. Oh. Uh huh. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. All right. Okay, you're dismissed and. Oh, by the way, we're going to uh, I've got some uh, uh, videos that you will see the for the next three weeks that I'll not be here. And uh, uh, hopefully you will enjoy those on, on parenting. OK. All right. You're dismissed. Thanks. We pray you've been edified by this presentation. You've been listening to pastor, Bible teacher and author David Harrell. For more information or to order additional tapes or CDs of Pastor Harold's messages, please visit cvctn.org or call 615-746-0113.